0: Welcome to E to the Power of Three, a podcast of Bridging the Gap, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, as we are approaching Valentine's Day, we are honored to hear from marriage coaches and speakers Carrie and Derek Stalin, who happen to be the BTG director Angie Getz's sister and brother-in-law, as they have a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this encouragement episode, they will be discussing biblical perspectives on conflict resolution. Powerful communication tools and priorities within marriage, as well as the number one key to a successful marriage. I hope you enjoy this Valentine's season podcast.
1: Well, welcome everybody to another episode of E to the Power of Three. I am Really, really looking forward to this episode today. We are joined with Derek and Carrie, and we are going to be talking all about marriage and how that works, the ins and outs, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, you know, all of the above. So I'm really excited about it. Thank you guys for joining me.
2: Well, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. We're excited to be here for sure.
1: Well, for those of us that don't know you, would you mind just taking the opportunity to just introduce yourselves a little bit about who you guys are, how you met, who's in your family? That would be great just to get us started.
3: let okay. you start. Okay. So uh, Derek and I have been married for almost 23 years. We got married in 99 and we met in second grade, So, which is really fun. So we grew up together. Uh, we did date in high school some, and then... Went to Don't college.
2: ask about that, though. It was on and off, and it's a long
3: story. It <laughs> was kind of a messy... Yeah, but we are here together now, married. Uh, we have three kids. So we have uh, Reagan, who is a senior in high school, heading to North Central in the fall, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And sad all at the same time. And then we have another daughter, Lauren, who's a freshman in high school, and then a son, Caleb, who's a sixth grade little boy. And... Let's see what else. How do we, how do we,
2: we actually did go to school together in (laughs) second grade. And so I always tell people the story that, so her name was Stevens and mine was Stalin. So we always sat next to each other. So the, Mm -hmm. I literally remember this in in second grade, this was actually in third grade, but they asked her to spell Mississippi. And so she stood up and spelled Mississippi. And I remember thinking, wow, that lady is brilliant and beautiful. That's who I want to (laughs) carry. And so here we are a long time later. So
1: <laughs> all due to Mississippi, due to wow.
2: Mississippi, we need to go travel there on one of our trips at least. So, sure. in honor of Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. I, I love when it's been so long and there's all of those pieces. And of course it was high school. There's the drama, right? It's just, that is, cool. it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> exactly.
2: We actually run our marriage ministry at the church here too. So that's We've been doing that for, I don't know, five or six years. Um, so that's really been our our passion. One of our passions, we volunteer at the church. Neither one of us work there, but uh, we love to spend time and volunteer. So uh, marriage is certainly one of our passions. So we've had marriage classes there. We've had uh, marriage conferences, a few of them with uh, XO uh, has come and done a few conferences there. So we've been doing that for a few years and then COVID hit. So I'm sure we'll get back to that uh, at some point, but that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. What made you guys want to start doing that and like having conferences and really just talking about marriage with people?
3: I think it's something Derek and I are really passionate about anyways. It's something we really put a lot of value on and see the, certainly the need for healthy marriages. Um, we see a lot of people who, who don't have healthy marriages and it just what it does to the family, just the whole breakdown of the family is, is really sad to, to watch and to have friends that we see that, you know, it's uh, happening in their lives. And it's just something he and I have been really intentional about making sure that we have a healthy home, which starts with a healthy marriage for sure. So our pastor asked us quite a few years ago, he just knew that about us and was like, would you guys be willing to just start something at our church, which, you know, we've had something and a lot of churches do this. They have some kind of, class for like a divorce recovery class or something like that, which is kind of on more of the picking up the pieces after marriage has fallen apart. But he said, I want to be more proactive and um, try to help save marriages or try to help just encourage the healthy ones. You know, let's do it on the front end rather than pick up the pieces on the tail end, which we can do that also, of course, with families and marriages that have struggled. But, um, you know, let's let's try to create a healthy culture in our church of healthy, healthy families, which starts with healthy marriages. So, yeah. So we were like, yeah, we'll, we'll help. We'll do it. We can. So again, we're, we're not employees of the church. We're not pastors. Uh, we just have a heart for people and a heart for the local church. And of course for, for marriages. So we've led a life group too, for um, maybe 20 years about or so. i just we talk not only about marriage, but we certainly have married couples in our, in our group. And it's something we've really enjoyed just pouring into couples. Mm-hmm. we love when, Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, when we got married, we were both making sure we were going to be intentional about having a good marriage because both of us, our parents were divorced and we were in middle school age. And so we walked through that and, you know, I know there's a lot of families that have done that, but we just said to ourselves, all right, we're going to be intentional about this. And you know, any couple that we can help. I mean, we've been passionate about it really since the beginning of our marriage, Mm -hmm. even though we didn't have any experience, but just trying to help people and encourage people, uh, you know, that you can have a successful marriage, even though it's, it's difficult as everybody knows, there's difficult seasons for sure. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's a really good point of how so many just marriages out there, just, they haven't worked. How can we be preventative over than having to, like you said, pick up the pieces afterwards. And, you know, there's just been this overall concept of, oh, we can't talk about our, the bad stuff in our marriage and you don't want to air the dirty laundry and just pretending that everything is fine. And I'm just curious in your opinion of, you know, why do you think it is important to be honest about the challenges in our marriage to our friends, to, you know, important people in our life, you know, very specific people (laughs) you want to go tell everybody, but to talk to those people and then even on to your scale of a larger audience and publicly, why is it important to be honest about that?
2: Well, I think, you know, one big thing that we found out, if you look at the definition of the word testimony, if you look at the very root of the word, it actually means for God to do it again. So when we found that out, we really committed to ourselves that we're going to share our testimony about our marriage about you know children, about giving we're very passionate about giving as well and so we're very open to people about hey, here's the struggles we've had here's our journey because we firmly believe number one that a testimony can you know give encouragement to people but then once God comes through and heals or Does something great in your marriage, it can be an encouragement to say, all right, now God's going to do that again in your marriage. And I think we found that really in the first marriage conference that we did, we had time specifically set aside. We gave them questions and they had to go and answer the questions. And so I'm sure the sessions were good, but everyone came up to us and said, wow, just hearing your testimony then allowed us to say, okay, I need to be open in this area. You know, a lot of husbands came and said, I struggle with pornography. And that's the first time that they had ever brought that up to their, to their spouse, or, you know, there's frustrations here and there, all of these things started to come up. And even though it's painful in the moment by giving a testimony about what God has done, then that allows healing to begin.
3: Mm-hmm. I yeah. think too, it's, it's so important. I mean, just like the verse, it says, when you confess your sins one to another, or the reason we do that is so we can be healed. And yes, I believe it's, you know, you with your spouse, but also us with close friends. And like you said, it's not everyone that we share those things with. It's a trusted few that you are in relationship with, or maybe you're in a life group, a shameless plug for life group. If you're not in one or some kind (laughs) of group like that, it's such a healthy, um, it can be such a healthy thing for, for couples to be a part of, but, um, just sharing honestly, with someone else. And sometimes like with Derek and I, it's been us first taking that first step of being vulnerable or being honest. But what that does with another friend is they're, you know, say it's another couple sitting across the table from you. All of a sudden they realize while well, they're going to go there, I guess we should too. You mm-hmm. know, we, we have some things. We're not the only one struggling sounds like, you know, okay. So we're going to tell you what's going on in our marriage. And it makes, it just tears down walls when, you know, and maybe you need to be the first one to say something. You know, maybe you're like, "You guys, we need to be honest with you about what's going on between us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not gonna get divorced, but we're just struggling, or you know, whatever it is." And I, I think there's something special that happens there with friends, and I think God wants that so much for us to feel like we have a safe place in another couple, or maybe it's your pastor's wife, or whoever it might be that God's, you know, put in your path, put in your sphere of <laughs> in, in, in your circle, you know, of, of people that you might trust, but, um, it's, it's just part of having healthy relationships with other people that I, I think really can help your own marriage find a healthier spot.
2: What's interesting because what we found is that every marriage thinks that theirs is the only one that's struggling mm-hmm. until you share something about your marriage. And that's mm-hmm. the important part As Carrie talked about breaking down the walls. I mean, in our marriage classes and all these things, so many people have come and said, oh, good, there's other people that are struggling. I thought we were the only ones. Mm-hmm. And I just believe it's a, you know, it's a tool of the enemy, we'll call it, to think that you're the only one struggling. And so you can't share, especially at church, you have to put on a smiling face. And really, that's mm-hmm. the spot that God wants us to share, as Carrie mm-hmm. said, to confess the things we're struggling with so healing can come. But also, I mean, just as an encouragement out there, if you feel like you're struggling in your marriage, so is every other marriage that you know of at some point, right? There's some season where they're going to need encouragement. So that's the importance of testimonies is that God wants to encourage people and do it again, but also be encouraged that every other marriage goes through tough seasons. You're not the only one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where does God come into marriages?
2: I mean, Mm -hmm. for us personally, it's every day, you know, it's an every day, especially a personal journey. And that's what we're trying to teach our kids as well. It's a, a personal journey, but thing that really Carrie has done really well. And I've learned from her is we don't have like a family devotion time. We've tried all of that. And I know it works for a lot of families, but to sit down and go through a verse and trust me, we felt guilty a lot of times for not having that. But what Carrie has really learned and taught all of us is to show God in these seasons and in the circumstances of everyday life. Mm-hmm. So, something happens, okay, here's where God fits in in the marriage, in your friendship, in your relationship with your siblings. In our opinion, that's the best way to teach what God wants to do, to teach His word. You know, God talks about in Deuteronomy, it talks about, you know, when you rise up, when you lay down, when you sit, and when you're going on your way. Those are the times to talk about what God's doing. And I think. Carrie's really learned and taught all of us how to do that in day to day life. Say, hey, here's where God fits in. What
3: are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Thanks, honey. <laughs> um, it, it's and I'm I'm very very practical, so I I learn that way anyway. So it's easy for me to kind of teach in that same realm of super practical. Um, yeah, I mean, God is God certainly is in woven through. The fabric of our lives in in every way in our marriage in our home in the way we in the way that we speak to each other in the way we speak to our kids. Um, I I think it's it's amazingly important to have a healthy relationship. Um, let me word it this way. So recently I heard this quote, um, pretty much saying that your vertical relationship with God is going to impact every other horizontal relationship in your life. Mm -hmm. So God being number one, and then obviously that's needs to be healthy and strong, but that will impact every other relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your parents, um, with whoever. And when that relationship is, is broken, that, that vertical relationship, or even at an unhealthy spot, you will notice there will be unhealth in every other relationship in your life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, um, I know not every relationship that's unhealthy is maybe your fault or you have control over or whatever, but, um, and just like the, the first says, I was thinking of this today, you know, when, when it's in your, I forget what the reference is, but do everything in your power to maintain peace within those relationships that are around you. And I, I think when you have peace with God, it's much easier to, to be kind to be understanding, you know, to um, one phrase, Derek and I say, probably daily. And even when we talk to many other couples um, is believe the best about each other. And that has um, <laughs> brought us so far with just the way that we understand when, when there's differences, when there's conflict, just to believe the best about someone, mm-hmm. which I believe God wants us to do. I mean, when you think of the enemy as the accuser of the brethren, okay. He also always is going to accuse him of being a jerk of being selfless of being thoughtless or careless or inconsiderate, or, you know, all the things that we can tend to think of our husband or our spouse, you know um, but yet when we choose to believe the best, which I believe God wants us to always think of someone or especially our husband <laughs> to, to put him in a spot where you're serving him. And then also if he's doing the same thing where he's saying, I'm going to believe the best about Carrie. She didn't intend to hurt me. She didn't intend to be thoughtless. She didn't, you know, would just believe the best. And he's looking to serve me when we both are serving each other and believing the best of each other. It's like such a win, you know? I mean, there's Mm -hmm. not that there's not conflict or there's not an argument or there's not misunderstandings because we are not perfect. And we do not always believe the best, like, (laughs) you know, But when, when you just have that as your, as your backup, like, okay, Derek did not mean that. I know the enemy wants me to be really mad right now and to say some things that I would regret possibly later, I'm going to shut my mouth and believe that he did not mean, he did not mean that, you know, just like that little thing of, I I think that's what God wants us to be. I mean, an example of how God is woven through our marriage, but, um, it's. <laughs> it's it solved many things when we just choose to believe the best of each other.
1: Yeah. No, that's all so good. and so this you know this next question is kind of a controversial question. I feel like in the marriage with kids world, you know my whole life growing up, I was always told no matter what, your kids come first they come first in every avenue and situation. And then I think it was about like five or six years ago that I was listening to a podcast and someone said, no, actually my marriage comes first and then it's my kids. And it totally just blew my mind because I'd never, I'd never heard it that way. You know, your kids are your world. They're supposed to come first. So I'm really curious, you know, what is your perspective on that? You know, which side do you lean and, and, um, why?
2: Yeah, no, we, we definitely believe that your spouse comes first. And I think there's lots of scripture that backs that up. You know, I mean, the Bible does not say that you become one with your children. Mm. Think about it. When you, when you are married, you know, God says to become one that doesn't happen with your children, right? Children are a gift. We believe that they're absolutely a gift from God, but it's our job to raise them and then we our goal is to have them become one and have their own family right where they're able to show God's love and healing and all those things but we've talked to so many couples that have had that philosophy where the kids are first um kids are first with their sports kids are first with their activities right and we've even had couples say hey we'll we'll go you know, we'll go out on a date when our kids are out of the house like that phrase just scares us, Mm -hmm. right? And it's very difficult to keep your spouse first, because especially in this world, and I think the last couple of years have shown us, hey, you can shut down for a little bit. But as you get into activities, and you have, you know, two and three children, there's lots of activities and lots of evenings that get get gobbled up in time. But that's where we go back to that first word of being intentional. And that really has been something that we've focused on is how can we be intentional about having time together? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll tell you, just out of honesty, the last couple of years have been tough to be intentional, right? We used to be very good about going out on date nights. And now for a long time, you you can't go out to eat and do all these things, right? So you get out of those habits. And we're actually just trying to work back and all right, what does intentionality look like now? Our kids are older, we would think we don't need babysitters anymore. And actually, it's harder to even get together. but. Um, we definitely believe that God has made us one, not our children as well. Mm. And so that's really the the relationship that God cares about. And even for husbands, if you think about that scripture that says, you know, how you treat your wife, your prayers may be hindered. If you're not Mm. treating your spouse correctly, according to God's word, Mm. he doesn't say that about your children, right? He gives lots of advice and lots of wisdom about how to treat your children and all those things. But that verse is specifically said to husbands, I'm watching how you're treating your spouse. And if you're treating her how I want, then yes, I'm going to hear your prayers, but I don't like the verse, but it says (laughs) your prayers will be hindered (laughs) if you're you're not treating her with respect and understanding. And so Mm
0: -hmm.
2: we believe that that's the relationship God focuses on primarily. And then it's our
3: job together to try to Mm -hmm. prayerfully raise the kids. And one thing that we've had to tell our kids, right? Because kids are always kids are more demanding than husbands are normally, you know, they're a little more needy and normally um, yeah, <laughs> about it. Right. Not scared to say it. Um, but one thing we've had to say, you know, cause there's nights of course, especially when they were younger, it's like, Oh mom, don't go out. I want you to, you know, be sure to be home and tuck me in or all the things that kids want us to do with them. Um, they just like us. So they don't want us to be gone. And um, I mean, even my sixth grader, you know, recently was like, how come you and dad have to go out? Weren't you, you know, you were gone, whatever. I don't know what he was complaining about, but you know, I have reminded them for years, like guys, this is something God wants us to do. God cares a lot about our marriage. And if we do not have a healthy marriage, we do not have a healthy home. And building a healthy home is gonna be the most important thing we can do as mom and dad for you guys and what God asks us to do is to take care of, you know, our relationship first, and then that creates a very healthy, safe home for you guys to grow up in and, you know, that kind of thing. So I use that verbiage a lot and I've heard it said to, um, just a quote is the best thing you can do for your kids is love your spouse.
2: And how are your children going to learn how to have a good marriage if they don't watch it? Yeah. And someone said that to us, I don't remember where it was, but that really hit home to us is that it's our job to show our children, here's what a good marriage looks like. It's not focused on you. Our life, our family doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around God. And then God has put us in, you know, over the family. But that has really stuck with us is that it's our job mm-hmm. to show them because we want them to have healthy marriages, right? When they go off and find find their spouse, that that's our goal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's so good. I mean, I I think that's one of the reasons that we also need to be, as you were saying earlier, sharing about this and pouring into also the next generation who a lot more are coming up with, you know, not a two parent family. And, you know, it, for me, myself, I grew up with a single mom. And so when I got married, I would tell my husband all the time, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I was an only child single mom and the world revolves around me. Like, I don't know how to do this. So I think it is good that we are really communicating. How do we, have this healthy marriage to kids, your kids, all uh, kids in general, and to be able to empower them and to know what that, that biblical truth is.
2: Right. When if you think about it and Carrie and I learned this a few years ago, but God has entrusted each one of us, like I'm the only one that can meet Carrie's needs, mm-hmm. right? So that's how God designed it to become one. And now I'm the only one that can meet her needs. And she's the only one that God has created to meet my needs. And it's just interesting because a lot of times parents and you know, especially moms try to get their needs met from the children a lot of times, right? That becomes their focus. The husband, maybe if he's out working, tries to get his needs met from work. And you just think about it. That's not how God created it. He created each one of us to meet each other's needs. That's what God wants us to, to be focused on. And it's just an mm-hmm. interesting thought that literally in the entire world, I'm the only one that can meet her need. And she's the only one that that is created to meet Mm -hmm. my need. Mm
1: -hmm. That's good. No, I love that. Well, I want to jump into the, the nitty gritty of marriage here and really dive deep into it. So a lot of people say that, you know, the key to a healthy marriage is communication and being able to be fully open and honest, authentic and talk about things do you guys feel that is, you know, the key to a healthy marriage? Or do you think there's something else that's like, no, this is, this is what we tell people is the key, key to
2: marriage. I'll just answer first. I'll let Carrie say, so communication is certainly a key to marriage that we find. Mm -hmm. But if you think about just talking, right, a lot of times, especially the husbands, I'm just speaking for myself. I mean, it's a lot harder to share, right? So we really focus on serving each other. And Carrie brought it up earlier. Mm-hmm. So serving each other is we try to figure out, okay, what is your need that, that you would like me to meet? Right? So we liken it, and we've heard this said before, and we just think it's a great example to have a good customer service counter. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all had those experiences where you go and take something back and they're like, no, we're not going to take it back. I can tell you lots of stories about stores that I will never go into <laughs> again uh, because <laughs> they've treated us like that. Right. So we've just decided that whenever one of us comes and says, okay, Hey, here's a need again, it's communication, but here's a need that I really feel like I need to have you you work on trying to meet for me. Then we have a good customer service counter and we, you know, it's not that we shame them or say, no, that's ridiculous. You know, I have, have to focus on the kids or I got to focus on work. Um, That really, I believe is our primary focus in our marriage is to serve each other and try to meet needs. So communication is certainly one of them, but to be honest with you, like my needs, I don't really need to communicate as much as she does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's not, that doesn't necessarily speak love to me as it does to her. So Mm -hmm. I do think it's certainly a key, but I think focusing on needs overall and saying, I'm choosing to serve whatever it is you need. I mean, just as an example, and I'm trying to teach my son to do this too, but when Carrie says, Hey, can you put a light bulb in? Can you change a light bulb? Can you do this? Like we have an agreement. If you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it immediately. If you want I me, mean, if it's mm. take the garbage out, we're going to do that. And even tonight uh, our son, Caleb, she had asked for the garbage to go out and he was studying and she's like, it's okay. You can study. But he was like, dad, I, she told me I could study. I, he, I so it's <laughs> something that we try to do to show, Hey, if this is a need that you're saying that you have, we want to be there to try to meet it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your thoughts.
3: Yeah. Or even, you know, the whole customer service counter analogy. um, Even if it's not so much a need, but more of a frustration, you know, like I'm, I'm annoyed at you about some things you've been doing or the way you've been treating me or something. Um, Part of the communication is yes. Me saying that in a kind way, like another (laughs) phrase that we use a lot is you probably don't even know that you're doing this. And you probably don't intend to, but I want you to know how it makes me feel. Like, it's it, it's almost funny that we say it because we, it, it's like, when that comes up, it ends up being like, oh boy, what's he about to say? You know, like, I I know you probably didn't mean this. And I, you know, I know your heart is never to be disrespectful, but this is how I took it, you know? And, and it's said in such a non-confrontative way or an attacking way, you know, but it's like gives me a chance to say, I didn't realize you felt that way, or I didn't even realize I was doing that. You know, it's, it's just a very gentle approach, which I think, um, communicating, obviously part of that is words, the words that we choose to speak, but so much of communication is in how we say it. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can say you're sorry, or you can (laughs) be like, I am so sorry. I really did not mean to hurt you. You know, there's a couple of ways to apologize, right? Uh, lots of ways to say lots of different things, but um, some of communication certainly has to do with the manner in which you say it. And I think when both of you are willing to approach it in a way that's not attacking, not assuming the worst, not um, assuming their intent when they said it, I mean, who wants to have the the worst believed about them before they've even had a conversation to defend themselves? Yeah, Like no one, no one wants that. And when you go in with grace, rather than this attacking, you know, divisive kind of spirit about you, like no one is gonna respond well to that. So, mm-hmm. and maybe in your marriage, you're like, oh yeah, that's us. That hasn't gone well. You know, I'm challenging you. Try it differently. You know, try, try to, say it in a, in a kinder way, try to go at it without attacking, but just don't assume their intent was to hurt you and be malicious. I think, you know, again, that is the enemy's tool. The enemy always wants to divide. If there's ever division in your marriage, it's not the Holy Spirit. Period. Holy Spirit Mm. never brings division. The Holy Spirit wants unity. And even, I think it's Psalm, is it 121? It says where where brethren dwell in unity, there the Lord's the Lord commands his blessing. It's either Psalm 103 or 121, I don't remember. Um, but I, I think of that, like when there's unity between the two of you, when there's unity in the home, God commands his blessing. Like that's what we want. How can we stay in unity? It's not in attacking each other, it's not in you know, assuming the worst, attaching intent in our minds of what he meant when he did this, said this, you know. But when you go in with so much grace and it's not something that's going to come natural you like you have to force yourself to do that <laughs> you know you yeah. have to kind of have what we tell teenagers a pre-choice choice meaning i'm going to decide before i have to actually make the choice how i'm going to respond when this comes up and mm-hmm. you have to kind of determine and even that's a conversation you two can have to say that didn't work last time. And I don't want this to be a habit. And maybe it has been a habit in your, or it has been a habit in your marriage for years and years. It's not too late to change it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all can tweak things. He and I still tweak things about ways that we do things. Um, but again, that requires communication to have a conversation about it. And really I, when, for Derek and I, I, I think when there is a conversation that's had where you're actually open about things and you let your guard down and you are honest and kind in the same breath, there is such intimacy that comes that I think God, that's like another way of God knitting your hearts together. Like physical intimacy is one thing, but when there's like emotional intimacy and you're sharing things in your heart, that I think is Is especially for women, is a very deep intimacy that we crave. And when we see our husband respond in a way that's not defensive, but instead is kind. And ladies, let me tell you, it might be your job to be the first one to be kind, because maybe he's tired of you nagging, or he's tired of you being, um, you know, attacking or frustrated. Like when you, that's not honoring, I'll just tell you this, guys, number one need Some believe it's sex, others believe it's honor. And I believe they maybe are tied for first. (laughs) Honor is like a a guy will shut down when he does not feel honored. And when you nag, when you treat him like a 10-year-old, when you yell at him, when you belittle him, like people at work don't treat him that way probably. But when he comes home and he gets treated treated like that by you, the last thing he wants to do is be in a kind conversation where he's bearing his soul, telling you how he feels. And, you know, it's like part of the conversation is having a healthy conversation is you helping create the environment where it's honoring, you're building him up with your words, thanking him for working, thanking him for whatever it is he he does for you and the kids. That's the kind of environment that a guy wants to come home to, number one which who doesn't want their husband to come home you know like let me phrase it differently we all want our husband to come home and want to be home that that would be his his favorite place to be because mm-hmm. he feels honored he feels loved he feels important his needs are met but also it's not all about him right he's doing the same for you in a perfect world right and in a healthy marriage i don't say perfect world because our world is not perfect, but you know, in a healthy home, that's the goal. And it's yes, it's, it's his job. And it's my job to create that healthy, safe atmosphere and environment with the way that we speak and the words we choose to use. But I think, you know, women, we can, cause we're the ones that want it almost more than guys. We want to talk more than, more than they do at times. And I think if, if we want them to listen and engage and open their mouths, that means you have to be quiet
2: mm-hmm. and not
3: always talk, you know, and ask things, ask questions to him that are, that are interesting to him or that are meaningful to him. Um, I don't know, give me um, about well, that.
2: that really dives into the nitty gritty, right? So if we want to get <laughs> down to it. So <laughs> as Carrie said, you know, communication is certainly word speaking is more important to her than it is to me. But what we heard one time uh, said, and I thought this was just absolutely amazing, where you know we as the husband need to be more open than we want to be or than we feel to be, right? So that's actually that's the same thing that the our wives feel that we feel when we're we're have, wanting to have sex, right? So guys get excited about that. Well, the wives, at least in our marriage, get just as excited about talking, right? That doesn't make any sense to me. But when, they, when this pastor said, listen, you need to be naked emotionally, just like she is physically, and I just thought that was a great example of that serving each other, right? It's more important to her to communicate, so I need to make sure that I'm, you know, in quotation marks, naked emotionally and share more than I want to share. And then on the flip side, when it comes to the sexual part of the relationship, where maybe it's more important to the husband, then a lot of times the wives you know, need to feel more sexual maybe than they actually, or act more sexual than they actually feel as well. Cause that may be not something that comes naturally for them. And I know all marriages are different, but just talking in, in our relationship and again, so you go back to the original question is communication, the key, we actually believe it's a key, but serving each other is actually the main key, uh, at least that we focus on in trying to, trying to do that in all those areas. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my gosh. All that was so good. That was so good. And just so true and helpful, you know, and I'm even thinking back and into the beginning of my, me and my husband marriage, we've been married for almost five years now. And so much of what you were saying, Carrie, of that wanting to be honored. And I feel like that is like the secret number one for guys, Mm -hmm. because for me, when we first got married, I was trying to figure him out. So I'd ask him all of these things that, For him, he saw it as you're criticizing me, which means you don't think I can provide for you. You don't trust me. And it was like an impact onto his honor. And I had no idea that that was truly what was the number one thing. And I think how you figure that out is, yeah, you have to communicate with each other and you have to have those open conversations of for you, like, how can I serve you best? Like, how can I be a good wife, a good husband and, and to meet those needs. So I think that was so perfectly said.
2: (laughs) Say Carrie does a great job. Just as an example of that, like, Many times when I come home, you know, she said the example, she says, you know, thank you for working, you know, because she stays home with the kids and she you know, does probably more work than I do. But, you know, she honors me in doing that. And when she sees me do small things, she definitely is grateful and thankful. And again, that goes to serving each other because one of men's main need is honor. So I agree with you. I think that's a, that's a great point.
1: Yeah. So in kind of going off of that as well, when we're talking about conflict, you know, you were saying coming to a place where you're like, I'm going to be honest and calmly and in kind words, share my frustration, share what I'm feeling when you are having a conflict with your spouse, what do you guys think is just the best way to approach it? Are you people were like, we're going to talk about it in the moment when we're feeling it, or are you like, you know, let's take some time to just take a break. So we don't say things we don't mean, and then come back together. What, what typically is your approach in handling that? Mm-hmm
2: is probably the biggest question we get, right, is how do you handle conflict? Because there's a lot of conflict that comes up in marriage. So uh, number one, you know, Carrie talked about pre-choice choice. I do think as a couple, you really should decide how are we going to handle conflict ahead of time before it happens. You know, we've talked to some couples where the husband's like, hey, I need like five days. Uh, no, you can't do that, right? Like that's not, <laughs> that's not good enough. If you need to take five minutes or 10 minutes and just gather your thoughts, then that's understandable. And you know, some couples that have that set up where the husband needs to take five minutes, let's say, and as, as an example, but the wife keeps saying, no, 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 we need to talk now. Like that just raises the intensity level, right? So mm-hmm. one, our, our encouragement is certainly to have that set up ahead of time. Number two, I think, believe the best. Carrie will probably talk about that, uh, but she does that great. But number three for me is praying blessing over Carrie in this case. So we've really, and especially me, she doesn't really struggle with getting angry at people, but but I do. And so one of the main things that I have really learned is to, if so, if you're frustrated with, in this case, Carrie, just to pray blessing over her. And that to me has made sure that my heart stays in the right spot. And a lot of times you maybe don't feel like it, you're angry, you're frustrated, whatever. But in my opinion, it's one of the greatest things that you can do Just make sure it's a part of your process to pray blessing, whether it's in person, whether it's just by yourself and praying blessing over Carrie, like that has helped me in my heart, keep my heart at a humble spot. Instead of, as Carrie said, not believing the best and getting angry, that has helped me stay a lot more calm is just simply praying blessing. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts?
3: Um, Yeah, so definitely Derek is more of a, he, he needs a few minutes to process things. Um, I'm not real quick in like retaliating or like, I'm not, um, quick with words, not every time when it's time to, and really we don't argue we're, we're, we're not fighters or arguers by nature. Um, but of course that doesn't matter. There's still conflict that happens. Um, anyway, it, it does take Derek a few minutes longer to maybe it's cause he needs to simmer down and pray over me for a minute before, <laughs> which I appreciate that he doesn't come in you know yell at me. He never yells at me. Um, anyways, but even like, there's, there's times where it's like, uh, maybe, maybe we're the only ones at like 11 o'clock, 1130 at night, you're laying in bed. And then it finally comes out like why you're ticked or why you're mad. Yeah. This is <laughs> tired is just never a good time Mm-mm. to have like, um, healthy conversations i'll say and so there's been times where you know we're we're laying in bed you know i say something he says something whatever we're frustrated because it's finally like hit the boiling point as we our heads at the pillow and rather than go to bed angry which the bible's clear about that because the enemy is just going to counsel you all night long about what a jerk he is and all of that like there there's such truth to do not go to bed angry so what we do in that scenario it's like we're not going to have a healthy conversation right now about this um right now we're going to and we we say this like we're going to believe the best about each other you know i love you you know i'm not going anywhere we're going to be fine but we need to talk about this but we're just going to say right now we're not angry um i still love you you know like those kind of things that just to even like your own mouth say it and his mouth say it and be like okay we are going to bed at peace Yes, we will table this discussion for now and talk about it more tomorrow, you know. Um, And sometimes sleeping on it diffuses the frustration. Also, if you're going to bed with the right heart about it, not if you're like, he's on the couch and you're in the bed crying, you know, that's not a good way to end the night. But I, I think if you can try to come to some peace before bed, and then if it needs to be talked about the next day, then, then you go there. And we,
2: we firmly believe that, that you should not go to bed angry. I mean, we've had some couples come back and say, well, that's not really what that verse means. I don't know what other interpretation you can take of that scripture. Don't go to bed. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Whatever you, you know, talk to God about and figure out, we believe that that is a true, don't let it go down and be angry. And if you do, if you have that philosophy in your marriage and, and you've already decided we're not going to go to bed angry. We're going to pray blessing over each other. We're going to believe the best. Mm -hmm. That has helped us diffuse so many arguments and frustrations Mm -hmm. because what we found is people go to bed angry one night, then it's five nights in a row. Now it's a month in a row, right? And that just snowballs into being very, very hard to come back where, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say the husband feels like he's not getting his sexual needs met and every night he goes to bed angry a month or two or a year of that going on, that is very difficult to have a healthy marriage when you're allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, that's so good. And so when we had talked kind of to prep for this podcast, one of the things you guys said was forgiving an offense. And I just, that stuck out to me because I'm like, okay, you oftentimes we do get to a point in our marriage where we do offend each other. We do hurt each other. The conflict goes further than we wish it would have. So, you know, just say more on that, if you will, about what does it look like to forgive an offense? And then additionally, how do you like actually forgive, you know, the other person and not keep holding on to it and letting it just come back up the next time that you get into an argument? How do you actually let it go?
2: So this for me was like one of those defining moments in your life. You know, you have these defining moments of things that happen. And Carrie and I were actually in a a marriage class that we were taking for ourselves. And the question was asked of the pastor that was leading it. You know, hey, I struggle with bitterness, which I certainly do. It's just something that I've done my whole life. And so I struggle with bitterness and I I pray for the people. How do I actually know that I've forgiven them? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the answer. He said, you will know you've forgiven them. When you can pray blessing over them and mean it, and I just thought, like I just remember, my whole body just went numb <laughs> for a minute. I just thought, well, wait a minute, like I can't do that for a lot of people in my life. You know, there's a lot of people that I have bitterness and anger towards. So I started a process of going through and beginning to pray blessing over people, and um, it takes a long time, right? If you've been bitter or angry, if your marriage you're bitter or angry right now, uh, it takes time to heal. But God is very clear to bless those who hurt, who hurt you, you know, do good to those who do evil to you. I mean, it's all throughout scripture and I'd mm-hmm. never seen it before, probably because I didn't want to see it, right? You don't want to pray blessing over people. Um, but I think in marriage, for me, it has been one of the greatest lessons I've learned because as Carrie said, things are going to come up. You, you know, you're there together all the time. You're going to get, have things, have an opportunity to be offended and for me, just praying blessing, which means blessing your health, blessing your you know, finances, blessing relationships with our children. You just simply pray scripture or pray blessing over those people. And again, I know we're talking about marriage. So over your spouse, and I will tell you over time, your heart will begin to melt towards that person instead of being bitter. Mm-hmm. And so that for me, praying blessing has been like a life message for me. Uh, because I think it is so important mm-hmm. to instill that into us, into our children. I mean, we're trying to teach it to our children right now. It's not natural. And most of the things that God tells us in Scripture are opposite of what we want to do and what we think we should do. Mm-hmm. If someone does evil to you, we think we should do that back to them. And that's most of the time how marriages are run, right? You do something to me, I'm going to do something to you. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to talk to me, I'm not going to have sex with you. Like, that's how it goes, right? But if you just decide, I'm going to pray blessing over my spouse, then that gets your heart to a really good spot. So that's Mm -hmm. how I walk through forgiveness. And uh, again, it's just been a great lesson. I'm so grateful that that God taught us. Mm -hmm. She doesn't struggle with it as much, McKelty. (laughs) So I'm really the expert in being bitter (laughs) and angry. (laughs) So she may not have any experience with it, actually. I don't know. She she just is so kind and gracious all the time in every situation. So oh, that's, that's very nice.
1: her it wheels is. are curtain. That's why I'm like I'm giving oh. her a minute.
3: <laughs> for For some reason, grace comes. Um, I won't say it, it's supernatural for me. Like I'm able to extend grace easily, and I I don't know why. I'll just say it's just how God wired me. Um, I am very thankful that because i i don't struggle with with bitterness or being um you know angry at people for long um i i really i'm always kind of a positive glass half full kind of girl um where i'm able to see the best in things and believe the best in people easily which um i'm just thankful for that so maybe that's something even you can be praying like god help me be more gracious help me help me overlook things help me just let it roll off my back and understand you know, my husband doesn't, you know, yes, he, he hurt me, but when it all, you know, at the end of the day, does my husband love me and does he care about me? Did he promise in sickness and in health? And maybe you need to remind each other of that. Like, you know, have a come to Jesus moment and say, remember what our vows said, you know, remember what we promised each other. Re- remember that we're in this for the long haul. Like we're not going to go anywhere. And like we mentioned earlier, you know a marriage is a blood covenant for life. We don't have that with our kids.
0: Mm-hmm. We have
3: an assignment with our kids and they've been given to us to steward for a while, but they are not with us forever where this relationship with my husband is is here while we're on earth. And to to be angry, I, I just, choose not to be that way, you know, and that maybe sounds very trite and like, well, that's easy for you because you have a good husband, you know, um, I, I, will tell you good marriages do not come easy. Good marriages are not an accident. Good marriages are not just for the lucky ones, you know, good marriages come because you work really hard at it. And, you know, people who just think, well, they have a good marriage because they know each other since second grade or, or, or because they, you know, whatever thing it is that you might think of a couple that you think, wow, well, I wish we had a marriage like theirs. If you were to ask them what they do to make their marriage good, they would be the same steps that you could do to make your marriage great, you know. So I I just want to encourage people, don't let the enemy tell you that your marriage can never be great or that you're kind of, you know, that you chose wrong because you married him. Like that's a lie. The enemy tells many, many people, like if you wouldn't have married him, you know, you actually, you should have married and You know who that guy is, you know, that's something, um, that's not the Lord speaking to you. you no, know, ever.
2: Well, one thing that I learned in a business building class that I was in is that you're, you will always see what you are looking for. Mm. So your eyes will always see what you're looking for. So what we see as we find a lot of people that, again, don't believe the best. And so they're saying, see, my spouse doesn't listen to me. And then they have all these things that happen that actually confirm that to them. It's because they're seeing what they're looking for. Right. So that's where praying blessing in my mind really changes your heart and having grace like Carrie does is because now we're looking for different things. We're looking for the best in them instead of looking for the worst in them. Mm -hmm. And I think if you talk to a lot of couples, a lot of marriages that if one of the spouses or both think they're struggling, I guarantee you they're looking for things to be angry about, Mm -hmm. to confirm, see this isn't the right marriage. This is never going to be good. And you've got to change what you're looking for. And that's really what God's word is meant to do. As we meditate on God's word, Mm -hmm. he begins to change our heart and change what we're looking for. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's. Such a great reminder. And I really love that reminder to carry about even saying your vows to each other again. I think we forget that that is a covenant that we're making to yeah. each other and to into God. Like we're saying like, this is my vow and what, what I promise to you and how powerful that can be to to say that again to each other. And not just that one time on that one day, when you might be like, I was 23 and didn't know what I was getting into and to be able to, to say that again. And again, you know, we had that happen where me and my husband got in a huge fight and he just came into the room and he had his vows printed and just read them again. And how powerful it is to be like, Oh, we remember why we did this. You know, we remember the promise we made to ourselves and to God. So you know, Mm -hmm. all you listeners take those vows out again.
2: (laughs) You're a pretty good man. That's a great idea.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think it's pretty great, (laughs) (laughs) but I just think that is such a a good, a good bow to put on top of everything that, you know, you guys have have brought and to wrap it up this way. Um, I just feel like we could have probably talked for hours about this. (laughs) Um, Maybe we'll have to have you come back because there's so (laughs) many questions that I still have, but we're running out of time. Um, But just any final thoughts, any final things that you're like, oh, I wish I would have said this, or I really just want to remind people of this before we end our time together.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So I mean, again, we talked early on, right, about your individual relationship with God, and we talked about the most important relationship down here on earth is between your your spouse, but the most important relationship is between you and God, right? And that's where Carrie's talking about the vertical and the horizontal relationship. And I think in my in my personal walk with God, the thing that has affected mostly our marriage is uh, I've chosen to take sabbaticals a couple times a year and just go away by myself and pray. And Carrie and I have agreed, even though it's a couple days away, I try to do it three times a year. She has said, hey, I want you to do this because I know that you hear from God about our marriage and our finances and we could spend a whole podcast on you know all the amazing testimonies that God has done from that. But I would just encourage you make sure you're investing intentionally in your relationship with God because Carrie's original point, I think is key. You've got to have that close relationship with God. So you can hear what he's saying to you personally about your marriage, about your children. And that's where God's word comes in. He wants to speak to you through his word. And if you're not intentionally spending time of listening to him or reading his word and meditating on his word, you don't give God the opportunity to say something to you. God wants to speak to you, but you've got to give him that opportunity and so that would be my encouragement is that if you feel like you're struggling, or even if you're not struggling, make sure you have an intentionality about your your personal relationship with God, because that's what he wants. He wants to use that time to really help you grow personally in your marriage and your family.
3: Mm-hmm. I think to piggyback on that, uh, what I would say is remain teachable. This is like a life message of, of mine is I always want to remain teachable, which I think at the heart of that is humble and to be, to be humble is, is that posture of, I don't know everything and I'm not good at everything Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of room to grow and a lot of things to learn. And when you approach God that way, not in a proud, haughty spirit where I don't need you, God. And really, I know the Bible because I've read it a few times and you know, that kind of spirit, like that's. God says he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And even that word opposes, when he opposes the proud, what that word actually means is he stands in battle formation against you when you walk in pride. I don't ever want to be on the other side of God's battle (laughs) formation, you know? And so when I think of being humble and being teachable, when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to me being a mom, when it comes to me being a friend, being a mentor, being someone that's mentored you know, all those things, it's just so important to remain teachable, which means that's your posture. Number one in in prayer is to admit, God, I need you really bad. I, I need you to teach me because I, I have been a wife for 23 years, but there's lots more that I need to know. And lots more I can learn. And being a mom, you know, we have three kids, but still, I've never had a kid leave for college before, and I'm going to need a lot of wisdom in that, you know, just always remaining in this humble, teachable posture. And I think God loves to hold the hands of those who are that way and just guide them and show them. And he'll walk like step in step with you when, when you do that, and remain that way.
1: Yeah. Oh, so good. It was all so good. I feel like I should just be sitting here taking notes. That was (laughs) fantastic. And I, I truly hope everybody listening, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in your marriage, you take this information and you go back home and you have a conversation with your spouse, because there's probably things that just went off in your brain as Carrie and Derek were talking about oh, I do that, or mm, I should forgive them for that, or I need to bring this to them. And I would encourage you to do that, to take that step and to just start in this, this new era where you're really having this open communication with each other and working on it and having God be first. So uh, thank you guys so much for, for joining me today and
0: being on the podcast.
1: Thank
2: you for having
0: us. We've enjoyed it too. Really fun. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this encouragement episode of E to the Power of Three. We were honored to hear from Carrie and Derek Stolland and McKelty Bloom on all things marriage. Find more resources on our website at mnbtg.org, download the new Bridging the Gap app through your app store, and follow us at mnbtg on social media to stay up to date on more from Bridging the Gap. We look forward to being with you next time on E to the Power of Three.